0: Everybody and welcome back to BYOB. That is Bring Your Own Blockbuster podcast. We're all feeling very festive over here, yippee-ki-yay and all that. I'm not going to start the podcast with a swear word. Um, I'm going to throw right over to you, Mr. Ben Haynes. How are you doing? I
1: uh, I feel instantly bad. Oh man, i why your 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 thing, your room looks so festive. It looks so good. I'm just in this <laughs> blank white wall hospital style, like sterile environment. I need to sort of bring my, bring my kind of Rowan Atkinson cinnamon stick, oh. holly wreaths, that kind of vibe. Um How are you, mate? Dip it how in yogurt. <laughs> bad, what are you gonna do next? Dip Not it bad. in yogurt. Oh. <laughs>
0: We've uh, we've had a lot of comments last week on, uh, oh, on Die Hard. My, we've really, do you want to do comments really first? Should we
1: start people. with that? <laughs> well, are you, Let's Do, it. do Let's you know do what? Yeah, I, think... I I could sense that if if I may be so bold. I could sense that you were like a pig in shit as soon as, as soon as the comments started firing around. I could see you just sitting there, just stirring the pot on everything, like loving every bit of it. It was so I, good. I,
0: I, I was quite happy with uh, my response to Olly Lister, at Oliver Lister, who said in a very matter-of-fact fashion, no, it's an action film that just <laughs> happens to occur around Christmas time. And I said... Is this a bakery? No, it's a shop that happens to make and sell bread. Um, he did come I back that. with a like, quite amusing comment, which was, uh, "You better hope this bakery doesn't sell knuckle sandwiches," which was, <laughs> was quite good from him. But uh, I could tell he was indeed. rattled because uh, yeah,
1: yeah. You know. the, the one that got me—I tell you what—like J- J- Jamie Weir got me, and it was just like, "I'm with, I'm with Jack. You're coming across like
0: an idiot." <laughs> <laughs> any, just, any sort of words like that, moron, idiot, in, in response, yeah, like questioning your intellect—that is triggering, isn't it? It's like really yeah, I literally—he like, just caught,
1: he just caught, he just caught me, like, he just caught me. Do you know what the other one? Um, just on the, the subject you just said before, Big John Bass, huge, f- obviously, uh, uh, we're a huge fan of his, and he's a huge fan of the pods. He says, "Then Home Alone is a Christmas of a huge film." Man. <laughs> <laughs> a big fan of of a big bass, says, then Home Alone isn't a Christmas film. It's a family comedy about a boy left alone who fights burglars that just happens to be set at Christmas. The set at Christmas part is what makes Die Hard a Christmas film, plus the Christmas music. Um, And then Ollie said, Home Alone is always set at Christmas, see sequels, whereas Die Hards are not case closed. And then BJB says... But if just being set at Christmas isn't enough for you, then you have to admit Home Alone isn't a Christmas film. So this is one of the things I wanted to know, right? Well, I'm also, trying to remember. Correctly,
0: Die Hard 2 is set at Christmas as well.
1: I can't even remember the sequels. So I've got no sort of, what is it, Skin in the Game on that one or Dog in the Race, Dog in the Fight, Horse in the Race. One of those. A, a dog, a a dog horse. in the bush is worth <laughs> a race in the hand, isn't it? You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, never and never uh, knock we a gift to... dog <laughs> in the bush. <laughs> never, never, never knock off a gift dog in the bush. Um, Tommy, yeah. Moore, Tommy Moore says, at its heart, it's about a man trying to spend <laughs> Christmas with his family. Holly was working in LA for six months. He could have visited at any time, but he went because it's Christmas. The film only works at Christmas. Therefore, it's a Christmas film.
0: You an that? C- can I also say as well, we've had a lot of the uh, aha It was released in July. It's like, yeah, but it came out on VHS at Christmas time. Like, come on, yeah, Simon, great. It was released in the cinemas in July
1: 1988, and even the VHS was released in January 1989. So it's never been time to fall in the Christmas holiday release cycle. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. (laughs) Thirsty boy. I did want to talk to you very quickly before we move on about something where someone's standards fell a tiny bit short of what was expected. Actors on actors today, can you talk us through secondhand anxiety? Because there will be so many people that work in media that will know this exact feeling. But if you don't, then I, I promise you what Jack's about to explain is like the worst
0: feeling you can have It is awful. It's, it's funny that you say that because I did a tweet about it and most of the likes were, and I looked at the, you know, the bios of the people who were liking it. It was like assistant producer on this, producer on that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, mate. And yeah, so you can tell it's, it's I would say, let's be honest, the biggest opportunity of the year after the the size of Barbenheimer um, to have Killian Murphy and Margot Robbie, a literal meme, sat down, together for a long form what about 45 minute conversation it was 46
1: minutes was the duration i mean when do you get that
0: right right and these these two now are a list right i think he i think you would even say Killian murphy's uh, a list now uh, right are, the, are,
1: the, are they do you think they've moved into in terms of the zeitgeist do you think they've moved into the a plus like if they are at a thing they are the most like up there with the most important people in any not because
0: that's your tom cruises and such right
1: do you not put robbie in tom cruise bracket
0: no not yet no okay. i don't i, th- I think Ooh. who else would you put up there with cruise i'm trying cause, but you know what i'm saying by that cruise Pre, is like pre-slap real. will smith Pre- yeah although he might have dropped down a bit of like oh he
1: has now for sure definitely post post slapping chris rock around um uh, sort of in, like
0: Affleck and Damon, probably, if their stars faded a bit, hasn't it? Gen- as well? Jennifer
1: Lopez, in terms of just, like, global sheer, like, Beyonce. I know they're not actors. Oh, Beyonce, yeah, act- yeah,
0: Beyonce, for sure, yeah. But, I mean.
1: Like, you know. she's, she's. I'm trying to think, like, you probably go for cinema royalty, don't you? De Niro.
0: Yeah, yeah there you go, DiCaprio. De Niro, DiCaprio. Scorsese, Spielberg, you know. Um, some- Meryl Streep yeah 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 i think you have to don't you, I think you yeah they're up there al pacino as well meryl is batman yeah <laughs> 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 so yeah i don't i don't think they're probably not a plus but i think they're a a list
1: <laughs> they're, they're in yeah. their prime aren't they like they, they, they now you're looking and thinking every film you do now has got to be i tonya like barbie size that kind mm. of big sort of brad pitts big. in there isn't he? brad pitts
0: um, so with this in mind you have a conversation between these two figures and it may i mean this sounds so this sounds so wanky but it may have sounded <laughs> all right to the layman but for somebody that has worked across lots of like interviews filming interviews putting lapel mics on interviewees monitoring sound levels and the like lapel mics by
1: the way are those little like tiny pinchy ones that you put on someone's shirt that are meant to be almost invisible
0: listening back to this the margot robbie and killian murphy thing straight away straight away i was like they've 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 not had the lapel mic audio this is not the lapel this is like ai cleaned ambient audio you can just hear that it is you can just hear that it is. And it, it, and it, I sent it to you and Purdy and you were both like, oh God, you both had that same wincing reaction of there is a sound guy somewhere that has, they've, everyone's been like 45 minutes done. Everyone's like, that's a wrap, well done. And everyone's like, woo, cheering in the thing. Probably got Margot Robbie and Killian Murphy. Someone will have made a comment. Well, they would have said,
1: I, th- I think that's probably the best
0: one we've ever done. Yeah, that's great. This is, gonna be huge, this is going to be huge guys. It's going to be, and the sound guys Massive. sat there like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. He's either not pressed record or he's just tried to listen back to it or the files just suddenly being corrupted as he stopped recording or something. But just that feeling of him like, oh my God, the biggest opportunity, potentially probably of my career thus far. Oh my God. Oh my, And who do you tell first? And, and it's literally,
1: you know, the way that you just described that is like you start a thought And then you just go, oh, my God. And then, like, what if I, oh, my God, oh, my God. No, there's no, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then your stomach just turns into, like, a washing machine. Like, the pit that you feel in your stomach, just fear and panic and anxiety. And it's like, oh, my God, it's Margot
0: Robbie. Think about it, mate. Like, with all due respect to Darren Way and the Oval lads, right? But... (laughs) We had a great opportunity there working with the working with the Oval when we were doing Year of the Underdog and we filmed them when they had Manchester United come to town. That's, you know, that was a small scale production with a League Two football team and we were absolutely petrified even of that, of anything not being in, in like impeccable condition, right? All the lenses had to be in focus, everything, like ev- all the sound had to be crisp, all of it. We were like, God, this has to go right. This is such a huge opportunity. This is the FA Cup draw. Yeovil, this small underdog team that we followed, have pulled out Manchester United. I think it was Jose Mourinho's first game in charge of United at the time.
1: Alexis Sanchez's debut. Something, yeah.
0: Yeah. it It was something bonkers like that. And that is so minuscule in comparison to, like I say, the two leading actors of two of the highest grossing films of the year, of all time in Barbie's case, sat down in a room together after there's been millions and millions and millions of tweets about this exact moment, to to have it all fall on your shoulders that the sound just hasn't. And I mean, look, to most people, to everybody, I mean, even to me, I'm not gonna say just to most people, like I couldn't like I couldn't bear to listen through the interview. I listened to it and it was fine and it was okay. But what I'm saying is as as somebody that you know, works in production that has to ensure that standards are of a certain quality. I I listened back to that audio. I was like, this audio is terrible. Oh my God, somebody has either imagine? been sacked or has just had such a rollicking off the back of this. Yeah. And it, I really feel it's such a, oh, it's so No awful.
1: apology could ever be a big enough apology to the person who hired you for that. That's oh, the thing. That, and and, 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 and I, I, the other thing is, I'm not saying this to kind of like, to put the boot in. I'm saying this to be like my absolute like love and thoughts are with whichever sound person was working on that because I, I can completely empathise and know that feeling because they're, they're probably sat somewhere being like, I can't believe that went wrong on that day. And it would have been something as innocuous as like, well, like we all do, you know, sometimes you just pop your keys down somewhere and then you lose your keys and you never lose your keys. But on one day, you just so happen to leave them somewhere. And you're like, how the hell have I done that? It's something as simple as that. It could just be that you just didn't press a button that you always press. And then it's messed up the whole thing, potentially. You know, it's it's just brutal. It's brutal.
0: What are you saying, mate, when uh, when we start getting invited to Junkets and the like, right? And you've just sat down with following on from this Variety interview, a few years down the line, Margot oh. Robbie and Killian Murphy actually end up being in a film together and we sit down at the junket, have a chat to them and then you look to producer Purdy after it, after this amazing thing where they've given us some amazing bit of insight <laughs> that happened on the set of Oppenheimer or whatever. Who knows <laughs> that maybe there's a one frame in Oppenheimer where Margot Robbie visited the set and she actually appeared in the background and nobody had realised it and we had the inside scoop on that. And we're like, can't wait to get that out. You look over to producer Purdy, and he says, "Guys, I for- I forgot to turn on the uh, I've to turn on the the, the the sound recorder."
1: I just I gently walk up to him and then hand him a piece of paper on it with a circle with a dot outside of it, and I was, and it would just say "Circle of Trust." And
0: then an arrow at the <laughs> dot saying, you. <laughs> I thought you'd like to say your hand to <laughs> a piece of paper and just punch your hand into it.
1: <laughs> Put it in front of his face and then yeah. just smash his face in. Never in a million yeah. years. Oh, but okay. it's, it's that, it's that uh, like we've all been there. It's that, it's that horrible feeling like, oh, my God, how have I how have I messed that up? But to do it on that scale, Jesus, with Margot Robbie there and Killian him. Mav- because the, the annoying thing with that is, well, sorry to go on about this, the annoying thing with that is that you'll, you know, Kilian Murphy will go. Oh, I actually really enjoyed that. I'd like to watch that back. And if you have worked in production, you know it's just an absolute disaster. Um. Anyway, tell me. Uh, we should we should move on very quickly and talk about a couple of films that you've seen at the cinema this week. Now, mm. first, I wanted to get your thoughts on Napoleon really quickly. I know we did a deep dive on that last time out, but uh, did I do it justice on the review?
0: Uh, I think, if anything, mate, you were probably kinder than I. I. Oh, really? Am okay the funny thing about the polling is i didn't hate it i actually quite liked it i quite enjoyed it um i thought it looked amazing um but i just my biggest complaint about it mate is number one i didn't feel like there was enough narrative coherency it felt like we had these little and i understand what the film was supposed to be it was supposed to be you know almost like signpo- signposted moments of their relationship and of Napoleon's career, if you like. But that came at the complete expense of any sense of jeopardy whatsoever. And that's even a sense of emotional jeopardy. I dev- I never really believed in the dynamic between Wacken Phoenix and Vanessa Kirby. Um, it just, just didn't do it for me. I didn't feel the strong bond. Um, I think, you know introducing josephine's affair, i mean whatever spoilers it's a historical film so introducing josephine's affair so soon into the film didn't really scream to me that like they had this forever eternal burning love and passion for one another um and i think one of the other things that I've, another criticism that i've seen that i really did agree with is that you didn't really have enough of the historical context of what was going around at the time with regards to napoleon yeah, because um, he's just sort of darting off to all these different wars with the Russians, with the British, and you're like, "But why? What's what's the stakes here? What? Why is this happening?" Um, and so it did lead to this complete lack of. Jeopardy. I just, I just, I just don't think it landed. I don't. I didn't feel the arc of the film. I didn't feel emotionally invested in it. Um, and I, I love him, but I, I just. I, I I'm not sure I'm having Whacking Phoenix either in this one, mate. Yeah, I, I, think yeah, I the, agree. I think the American accent maybe spoiled it a little bit. And I, I'm not doing this to be all like oh, Americans. I'm just saying that it felt like there wasn't really even any consistency it be less French, with regard could it? to accents. It could- yeah, but it, but even that, like, some people would have a French accent, some people would have a Prussian accent, some people wouldn't. Some people would just sound posh British, and it just things like that i know sometimes people it puts people off like the the prince or the king was it the king with uh timothy chalamet and robert pattinson that uh, landed on netflix that i actually really liked i thought it was a decent film but a lot of people thought it was quite silly because chalamet and robert pattinson both did french accents in it and it led to a lot of monty python jokes and all that type of thing <laughs> uh, so I, I i i you know i get i get why people don't do that sometimes they think it's a it's more distracting that it takes away from the film that people get almost more lost because they're like ha, 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 listen to Joaquin Phoenix doing this silly French accent but um it just yeah it just didn't work for me and I like we were sort of talking about last week I do wonder if the director's cut what over four hours 20 minutes or something like that um it might make the story feel a bit more complete because this, I, I left the cinema thinking, I'm not angry. I don't hate this, but I just didn't really like it. I just didn't yeah. think it was that good. And I, I didn't, I didn't importantly, I it didn't make me feel anything. I didn't feel sad about Josephine and like Napoleon's ill-fated romance. You know, I, I just I didn't, didn't care. I didn't care. No, so so you know?
1: right. I just didn't care enough. You know, I wasn't sat there like, oh my God. And I didn't know all of it. History. I didn't know a lot of the history, but it just didn't do do enough, do enough for me. Okay, should we should we hop into this week's film?
0: Uh, lots of section babies. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, right. Okay. It's one of
0: the weirdest lines. It's the, one of the weirdest lines. It, it, it's uh, such an I, inappropriate conversation for a boss way, to have. With a and worker. the
1: way that he delivered. I mean, his character on the whole is. Just, we're talking about Alan Rickman, by the way. His character yes. just on the whole is just an absolute. Uh, yeah, he's a he's a bastard in this film. He's a bastard, but he's very good at playing that.
0: Yes, you know that bit. Yeah. When he's just yeah. he saying yes, yes,
1: yes. Yes. Um, uh, but we are, of course, talking about Love Actually, uh, which was this week's film, which I think technically goes down as my pick. Was this my pick this week? Yeah, yeah, it was. And, and basically it's because I'm soppy and I didn't think Die Hard is a absolute cast iron, no brainer Christmas film. I think there's elements of discussion, whereas I think with Love Actually, it is just... So it's so, it is such a go to Christmas film. In fact, I, in doing research for this, I was watching a feature that someone made of it and they showed the Google trends over the last 20 years. It's been, it was released 20 years ago and it was showing the Google trends of the last 20 years. And the spikes are getting bigger and bigger every year in terms of the interest, which is really, really, yeah, it's really interesting because it wasn't, I mean, like we can, we'll go into this, but it wasn't. At the beginning, it wasn't the kind of smash that it is now. Um, and there's a, a multitude of reasons for that. But how did you, how did, you did you enjoy watching it?
0: Yeah. Although I, if I'm brutally honest, I think I'm getting into that point of like, I've seen this too many times. Do you know oh, what I mean? Oh, really? Yeah. So I, I haven't so. watched
1: it. I think I haven't watched it for a good two years, maybe. I don't think I watched it last Christmas. So mm, I've, I definitely
0: I, did. And probably Christmas before that. So and I had enough time.
1: I didn't have time to kind of like get nicely into it sort of. Yeah. And like I I laughed a lot. It really did something for me. I'm mean, so I I like I'm I'm a I'm a firm backer. Um but do you want to do you want to spoil it? I think it's your turn. Do you want to go in 60 seconds it? There's only there's only 11 storylines to weave in, so you should be fine.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah, go on him. You can right. get me. Get Here me a timer.
1: Ready. And three two one
0: beep so love actually uh centers in london um it follows the lives of many different people (laughs) 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 different couples dealing um with love in their lives in their own way i guess that all of the stories are interlinked in some way or another um and it's showing you, I guess, this this culmination of all of their relationships, their loves, and their lives, um, how they are impacted in the run-up to Christmas. Um, oh God, I really don't know how to do this. We've got <laughs> we've got Hugh Grant acting as a prime minister who left. seems to be a a nondescript, you know, party-affiliated prime minister. Um, falling in love with Natalie, his his one of his assistants, um, Ten played by Martin McCutcheon. <laughs> no, this is come on. No, done. Get about, I, I'll, forget I'll about, forget about it. I tap out. Get I, tap about. out. <laughs> yeah. I submit.
1: Choked out by the film. It was never gonna happen. It was never. You can't do twenty. I think it is twenty-two main characters there is in this film. Let me just check. Sorry, I know that we're bad for this in terms of me just typing away whilst we're on a podcast and no one knows what's going on. But I think it is 22 main characters. Let me check. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, 21. 21 main characters or 21 characters that have like a sizable presence on screen. There's also then the small matter of Claudia Schiffer being in there and then the three or four wonderfully attractive American girls of which Denise Richards, uh, Ivana Militevich and Shannon Elizabeth are in there. Um, So, yeah, there is there's enough to try and fit in. Like that's just absolutely obscene amounts of writing. I would say
0: so on IMDb's, um, you know how they they give you a summary of each film? Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to let me just get the word count from their one on Love Actually, which is aberratively massive. Um let's just paste this down here. So the word count on IMDB's summary of Love Actually is 514 words. My so, god. Uh that gives you some idea of that. that uh, this, this, uh, Spoiling 60 seconds was never gonna happen.
1: Well uh, but the thing is, I'm I'm amazed by this, right? Um because I just think it's such an undertaking, but it is so tight. The way that it's done he manages to actually make it feel as if these these things all exist in the same world and that these people are somehow linked and that by the time you get to the end the threads are kind of coming together you know that everyone is sort of within the same sphere and they all know what's going on which is like bizarre really when you think that there's like the the film starts with the prime minister and then it's somehow gets down to like a guy that he that is going to see a woman that can't speak English to propose to her I mean it is mental as well a lot of it is absolutely batshit, but it's 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 brilliant well that's why it kind I, of I would have liked me.
0: to have seen it all plotted that when Curtis was writing it seeing it all plotted out on his wall like it must have yeah. been, you know like the meme yeah. from that's always sunny in Philadelphia with what's his name with all the bits of string and stuff of all yeah the yeah, of yeah, yeah, of paper yeah, connecting. yeah 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 it must have been a hell of an undertaking because like you say it's as it's as tight as the terrorist trousers and Die Hard, isn't it? You know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I still Very can't get much. over that, mate. When I was listening back to that, and just seeing that on the running, on the running order, how hey, you've got Die Hard, is it a Christmas movie or not? John McClane, what an everyman hero, terrorists, unbelievably tight trousers. <laughs>
1: They were so snug, though, and uh, and a loose fitting oversized jumper and a machine gun and then some budgie smuggler trousers. It was just unbelievable. Tightly packaged in. Um, (laughs) uh, So I wanted to ask you, why does this film, in your opinion, catch people? You know, I was just saying there about the SEO and every Christmas people wanted to go back to it. Why do you think people want to go back to it?
0: I guess, like you've sort of nailed yourself at the start, people get a bit soppy at this time of year. We want to think about family. Um, We want to think about those around us that we love. It's a time of, like, coming together again, isn't it? It's a time of, like, a lot of anxiety for some people. And I think this film, it reflects a lot of the various different dynamics, a lot of the various different, you know, anxieties and... um, hopes and dreams that people have at this time of year when you know I know it sounds a bit naff but things do just feel a little bit more magical don't they with all the fairy lights out and the mulling spices and the gluttony <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, yeah you know it well, just I, makes people smile a bit doesn't it for the most I th- part
1: I think on the whole um I, I know this isn't the case for everyone but I think work tends to sort of slow down Right. At least from kind of the 23rd through to the or the 24th through to the 31st. And maybe the bit before because everyone's got Christmas parties and there is kind of this understanding that you might not be at your locked or chained to your desk for that month. And suddenly like work is not the most important thing in the world. Like the, the idea of being around your family, making an effort with people, like taking time out of your life to go and spend time with people that are important to you and i still a line from emma thompson she said um we like to remind ourselves that love is the most important thing we forget that love is all that matters love is messy unexpected and funny and i think that is the sort of you watch the film and it makes you feel like oh there are nice things there are nice people and love is a is a And like you said, at this time of year, we want to be reminded of the furry stuff. We want to be reminded of the kind of like nice things Mm. around us. And particularly now, I I don't even know. Sorry to get all deep straight away on this. I don't know if people even believe it. They just want to be suspended from reality
0: Mm. at the
1: moment. People just want to kind of go... It's all just so bollocks. It's all just so rubbish. Just for two hours, I'll sit there and I'll laugh, cry, feel bitter towards some characters. We'll get into this later on, but I'll root for other characters. But in the most part, I'll just feel swept up in the fact that people falling in love is a nice
0: thing, you know? Well, you know, so in in, in many ways, it kind of throws back to the... the the idea of the Christmas that we have now, the way in which we enjoy and experience Christmas in this period, you know, this, this came as a result of, you know, Charles Dickens was actually one of the big pioneers of, of Christmas, of seeing that ordinary working people had pretty grim existences, especially at this time of year when it's cold, everyone's skin, it's dark, everyone's hungry. Um, that if, if there was this greater movement to recognize this christian holiday of christmas to make it less about just a church service that we attend on the day maybe a special meal and having it more as a season as a festival of like life and giving and joy that people can just lose themselves that could forget their daily trudgery if you like um and enjoy this a bit more. There's a, there's a whole, I, I watched this whole documentary about it before. I believe they actually even made a, a, a movie about it a few years ago. The man who wrote Christmas. What um, about Dickens and his, I think <laughs> like, for example, like the A Christmas Carol, I believe was not a book at first. I want to say it was released as like a, a newsletter that everyone could read. Oh like yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. you're right. But, the Christmas Carol was like a periodical um, story, like handed out as the way the the metro or whatever is you know the evening standard is handed out nowadays um it was just a a, became a part of that and uh people all started to read it and enjoy it and I, i believe he even um worked with a group of his own sort of high society type friends and everything like that to lobby um with i would imagine politicians and people in charge of workhouses and the like to just ease up on people a bit at that time of year and let them just enjoy that part of their life a bit and i think you know in some ways the spirit of that type of thing is still endures today doesn't it you know we know at the moment the past few years for everybody and in, in, in i'm just speaking about in britain in particular um right now have been particularly tough do you know what i mean like i, th- I think like the the cost of living is ever increasing and people's sort of standards of living are are decreasing i think i i read somewhere the other day that for the first time in like in modern history they've recorded now that the average height of people is going down yeah which is you know a key marker of malnutrition and and the like it's you know it's 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 pretty mad so we asked kind of why are things like love actually growing year by year it's You'd probably have to say it's something to do with that as well, right? People scapeism. want to escape to another time. To you know, it's it's that age now. It's twenty years old. Not everyone sat there on smartphones. Um, it's got this idealized sense of you know, it's snowing at Christmas, like in London. It's just you know, it's, it's not going to happen, is it? But all all this type of thing, I just think it's kind of got these these feel good vibes to it that people want to. Escape away into. Sorry, that was a bit of a whistle stop no, no, tour no. of uh... no. But,
1: but the, the Dickens thing is really interesting, right? Because I think there's a lot of crossover here with Richard Curtis, in that I think he recognizes, Richard Curtis recognizes in a very similar way. I mean, quote from him, he sort of said about the idea of oh, if you look on TV and you you look around or you want to find something to watch, everything's about serial killers and murders and crime. Mm-hmm. No one wants to talk about the everyday joy in the world. No one wants to talk about the idea that doing good deeds is a nice thing and you can show that. You can show people falling in love. That's fine. And so he was like, I wanted to make a film that showed people in all kinds of love, not just, oh, there's that really attractive man meets really attractive woman and that's the end of it. You know, there's so much nuance to it. And I think one of the things with Richard Curtis is he does seem like a He seems like a soppy romantic. He seems like a fundamentally nice guy that wants to believe in a lot of the stuff that's in this. And there there is problematic bits which we can get onto. But I think on the whole, if you look at the thread of his work, the overwhelming message, even though he does do these sort of hits you with these huge emotional punches with some of the stuff in, in, in his films. I mean, I'm thinking... Immediately for weddings and a funeral, mm. thinking that the, the death of, of Bill Nye's character in about time. Um thinking kind of like the way that Bridget Jones kind of goes through quite a sad and lonely existence in uh, at times. The, the, in Notting Hill Hugh Grant being basically told that he's a nobody. Behind his back by um junior Roberts's character, like he does do these really clever emotional hits that that you 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 feel very viscerally, but on the whole, everything is about like basically love is a nice thing and it can overcome most problems, which in current climes as we we're saying, is good escapism because that message i mean you watch the news that is not the message is it like no. if you watch the news at 6 or the news at 10 i literally you I'll, even I'll, look I'll, at social media look at
0: the way we talk to each other the lack of like slack we give to anybody anymore you know like it's i'll
1: give i'll give you this as a like as a just as a snapshot so i just jumped on this is and this could be any website but bbc.co.uk front page Robert Jenrick resigns over a Rwanda migrant bill. I should have tweaked COVID threat earlier, Boris Johnson. Active shooter reported at University of Nevada. Mortgage problems ease, but many face price shock. Ukraine claims killing of traitex, MPM Russia. Ex-Man United players, uh, player n- players never ask if I'm okay, says a Man United player. What jobs might do to our children in the future? UN chief says war-causing catastrophe Gaza may never recover from. Like, there is just nothing for people to right now sit there and go like oh that's nice you know and at least nothing that's being presented to them so i think the genius of richard curtis in this is that he feels that you know he sees that and he inserts it into his filmmaking and so few directors writers are able to do that sorry went on a bit of a rant he
0: out. no no he um he actually appeared on the empire podcast this uh this week um, oh did he so- yeah, it's worth listening to. I've, I've never actually really heard him. I don't know if he's actually often does interviews or anything, really. I, I can't say I've ever really seen or heard much from him in the past. He, he's got a new film out um, for this Christmas, actually, another Christmas film out called Genie with uh, Melissa McCarthy in it. So, you know, it's That's his first big American movie.
1: I am, I, I full confession, I am uh, hopelessly in love with Richard Curtis. Like, really? I think, okay. I just think he's, he is... I think fundamentally more than anything, he seems like a good person and like mm. he seems like his. I, I saw him say this week. I saw him say that he now is at a point in his life where seeing his children happy and making his children happy brings him more happiness than him being happy. And I think that is it in a nutshell. That is like what it's all about like doing things for other people to make other people happy is is really the win you know that's how you that's how you kind of are a good person and i think when you look at his films and you go across his writing and comic relief and blackadder and um just (coughs) so much of what he's done is dripping with positive sentiment and i just don't think there's enough of it about you know, and you look at the people that he surrounds himself with in terms of his films; they're just like the best, aren't they? You know, it, it's so many great people that he has it is in his films. Um, I've, I've totally taken us off piece, sorry, mate. But did you like, in terms of the uh, the characters in this film? How did you find the fact that it was so many different stories?
0: I think it's good, and uh, do you know, I, I was thinking. When you were talking about the fact that it continues to grow, I wonder if that uh, that helps it, the, the way in which our kind of... Um, I guess the landscape of social media now, right? Which is people hopping between different stories constantly at the touch of a button, looking at different people's lives in various different ways. I wonder if the, the, the narrative setup of this film actually was a bit ahead of its time and... and you know, is very accessible to probably a lot of young people nowadays because of, like I say, because of that social media landscape. Do you reckon?
1: Yeah, and and also because there is something like, look, there is a problem of diversity in the film. Um, that that we again, we'll get onto that. It's not a diverse film, but I think a lot of people, particularly, I, I think it's why it's done well in America because a there's a there is a a kind of romanticism in the idea of London at Christmas, like people do not d- to make it just a sweeping generalization, but I think people do romanticize things that feel foreign. So the idea of like Paris is romantic to people. The idea mm-hmm. of uh, wandering around or on being on a gondola in Venice is romantic to people. But if you go to Paris and you go to some of the Aradismons that are, are, are maybe struggling socioeconomically, you wouldn't feel romantic there. If you go to Venice and you walk around and you you try and get on one of the the gondolas. You can't get on them because there's so many of them that they can't they literally can't move. And the whole place is covered in graffiti. So <laughs> it, it, it's it's I, I think it's this thing. It's again it's that escapism thing that people can then attach themselves to this idea of oh, a romance set in in London. And then there is going to be someone because there's so many age groups through which the film goes through, right? So it's you've got the the kid who's fallen in love with the girl at school. You've got Kieran Knightley getting married at a young age. I mean, she was only 17 at the time when she shot the film, which is mental. Um, You've got all of these different things going on that people, like you said, that people can attach themselves to. And the fact that it's jumping around between them all probably does suit a current generation of people who perhaps have a harder time keeping their attention on something for a prolonged period. Um I did want to test you very quickly, if kind that's of. okay. Because Christina Christina hates this film. Full disclosure. Wow. She can't stand it. Thinks it's rubbish. We sat down to watch it. She left after 20 minutes, came back about half an hour later. Sat down for twenty minutes more. Left about half an hour later. But I always say to her that it, it, she wants it to all end in tears. She loves films that have a horrible ending for some reason, <laughs> which is, just, I mean, not filling me a huge amount of confidence for our lifetime together. But um, she, uh, she decides she, for her, Titanic is the dream ending, you know. And then they all died. Finn, um, but, but <laughs> she, she, she can't stand it. Her big point to me was. None of the people are in love, and I wondered hmm. if you a agreed with that sentiment first.
0: I need to think about this.
1: It's a big one, isn't it? And I look. I, I lay my cards on the table. I obviously told her where to get off and that she shouldn't come back in the room until I finished watching it. But she, um, <laughs> she, she, she said that like none of them actually are in love. So even though I'm love actually is all around.
0: N- n- no, I, I so Billy Mack loves Joe as manager. 100%. I,
1: I agree with that. Definitely.
0: Um, I think Emma Thompson loves Alan Rickman. Actually loves her kids. Yeah. Um, the Martin Freeman and Joanna Page. They, yep. uh, I think they're in love. Are you
1: giving them that? Yeah, My friend Joanna them that. Page. Okay, good. Because I thought that might be one that you'd be like, nah. And I, no, the reason no why either. I I agree on that one is because I think that one is supposed to that story is supposed to show you that you can find love in unexpected places. Yeah. And I put it I put it in the the running order as Jermaine Stewart love, um, because it's we don't have to take our clothes off to have a good time. Um, <laughs> and the idea the idea is is that they're already starting naked, so there's nothing left. To shock them, they just like each other, you know.
0: And and Liam Neeson definitely loves his his stepson, doesn't he? You know, Queen's Gambit, the chess player, like. and his
1: wife. I mean, like his wife's passed away. That's sort of like he's still in love with her, you know. And she's been sort of taken from it. Oddly prophetic as well. Oh, horror- just awful, isn't it? I mean, imagine yeah. that. You would never ever want to ever come across the film again. Um, Sarah and Carl, Laura Linney and Rodrigo Santoro. Nah. just lust yeah fun fact on that they both got dumped in real life the week that they shot their scenes together really yeah so they were both like absolutely heartbroken so she says that the 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 scenes where they're kind of like making out and stuff they were like she said it was really really nice because they're both just were like feeling totally alone mm. and, and heartbroken, so it's quite sweet. That.
0: It, it probably helped that he's absolutely hot as well.
1: <laughs> the, oh, mate, the best thing. <laughs> the best thing. There's um, a. a I, it's one of these things, right? I don't know. I, I find film junkies either utterly unbearable or absolutely brilliant. But I think yeah. when you look at film no junkies from, yeah, yeah, when you look at them from back in the day, <clears throat> they're so helpful for you to get a sense of where a film was in the, the sort of cultural space, that you, you watch it and you see with either the respect or the reverence that the interviewer treats the people they're speaking to, and whether it's kind of like... Alan Rickman answering questions on Die Hard, for example. He was a newbie, and he was very kind of like open and vivacious and trying to be, make people laugh and a little bit camp in his delivery and stuff because he was giving a lot of himself. You could see in this... The junkets for this, Hugh Grant is sitting with Richard Curtis, and he just wants to be anywhere other than doing an interview. And it's really? so funny, it's so amazing. Why is that, do you reckon? Uh, he he just apparent like. Apparently he's just a bit of a miserable guy, but he says like he gets off on making other people miserable around him as well <laughs> Which is so funny. So funny. But um so that what he's being interviewed with Richard Curtis and then someone the interviewer says, Oh, and Richard, I mean, you had to you had to get someone to play the, the role of Carl and you decided to go for Rodrigo Santoro. What like I mean, why did you pick him? And then Richard Curtis says, Well, I mean he's he has this amazing sort of energy around him, but also he's unbelievably good looking. And then, and then, um, and then uh, uh Hugh Grant just sort of sits there next to you guys. It is all right. <laughs> <He> just, <laughs> and then, and then the interviewer tries to like interject and say something else, and then under his breath he just goes, "It's very oily." <laughs>
0: <laughs> very oily.
1: <laughs> Imagine that as a critic He's very oily. He sort of like sort of like mutters it as his passing thing. But he is stunning. And like he is a magnificent looking man. And uh yeah, he just I I he'd done something else, hadn't he? Rodrigo Santoro. he done he was in Westworld Had he been in
0: Lost?
1: Lost, he was in. Um, but there's another film where it, it, it people would have just like. It, 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 it would be like the thing, you know. I mean, he 300, was in three hundred, yeah, three hundred. He was the oh, Xerxes. he was Xerxes. yeah, and he was in godlike shape in that as well. Oh, wow. Um, he was yeah, he was in he was in Westworld more recently, um, but he was in a couple of other little bits where he just played like the han- a handsome man enters kind of vibe in <laughs> yeah, there, uh, yeah, yeah. and he is just absolutely glorious. Um, but yeah, sorry, so I digress. So Sarah and Carl was a no. Colin Firth and Licia Muniz, which is Jamie and Aurelia, where they're in, they he's writing his play, and then it all goes in the water.
0: Well, see, this is always one of those things for me that I always have this when I you know watch a movie or something like that. When people are like, "I love you" and stuff, I'm like, "Look, just no, you know, you can't just say you <laughs> love somebody. Just no. Well, you can't say you love somebody after like you know. I mean." been around them for a week or whatever you know it just i'm I'm just not having it like i'm not having it like you've got to get to know somebody you've got to really you know find out more about somebody over <laughs> over a certain bit of time I, you know i'm not having it i don't, I don't buy so, love
1: at first sight either i'm not into no, that i just so, do it for me Although there there is a great they, bit of both, peep show in there
0: yeah i think that's less love and they're both just wrapped up in this kind of whirlwind excitement of it all you know yeah. Because yeah. the second the second she gets off the plane in the UK, she's already like you know, <laughs> it macking on to all mate. his mates. So you know, <laughs> there's there's that brilliant love,
1: line in, in Peep <clears throat> Show where Jez goes, "Listen, I love you," and then it's in a monologue goes, "Classic line for a first date." <laughs> 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 Just class, absolutely class. Um, have we done? Have we done? The, okay, and then we we have. Um, Liam Neeson's son in the thing Thomas Brodie Sangster, who is in love with that Definitely was puppy love, love, love with, with his with his yeah, uh, yeah, mate yeah. at school um and then Hugh Grant and Martin McCutcheon <sighs>
0: mm. interesting one isn't it interesting one dodgy power dynamic in that There one, yeah. you
1: go because it's like hang on is he and then also you get Billy Bob Thornton rocking up as well mm. even worse power dynamic just he's so horrible in it as well, isn't he? Oh, he's grotesque, isn't he? Like absolutely Yeah, I look forward to our, uh, us working closer together. No, I Blech. bet you are. Bet Help. you are. you going to fish. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I'm going to go no for that one. But um, but Hugh Grant said that that was uh, that was Richard Curtis on steroids. His character, basically, like being the prime minister and being this guy that's so clumsy, charming. He said, look, I'll only do the part if I am d- doing something different. You know, I'm not just playing Notting Hill, Four Weddings, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, no, totally different. And then apparently he just got in there and he thought, ah, oh, fuck it, I'll just do Notting Hill and Four Weddings again. <laughs> just did exactly the same <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, like, it's not <laughs> different at all. I, d- I will give him this, though. I think the dance scene is unbelievably good. I think it it's amazing. Good, it? It's phenomenal.
0: Uh, I would imagine it was uh he just came up with it on the spot, right?
1: Yeah, he didn't want to do it. He refused to do it. And they, oh, they you had can to...
0: so imagine Hugh Grant being like that as well. Just he, like, he, he, no, he tried to pull no, a
1: sickie no. and he said, I Did guess he? we'll just and um, I guess we'll just have to skip the scene. And then they had to like tell him he was contractually obliged to do it. So and, and it's um it is phenomenal. It's just so good. Like it's such a perfect song, and like the, the the way that he moves in it, it's it's elite dad dancing, um. And, and I love that he sort of has he's spoken about it so much since saying that no English man wants to dance sober, let alone like just as it is, let alone <laughs> on camera with an entire set full of people watching you. And I can imagine that's my worst nightmare. That's like I, I'm not I'm, I'm not much of a mover as it is. But the idea of having to do that on on cue, on demand, and just look like a complete buffoon would just be, yeah, I would hate it. Oh, mate, so, I've
0: I've seen you at the office Christmas party, shaking your hips. Like, yeah, that's after
1: know. that's after many beers. You're... Many many <laughs> yeah. beers. Yeah. Like literally, the the difference between me and Shakira is about fifteen pints. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, right, so then then the next big question for you uh, is. Who did you hate? Who didn't you like? Who are the one Like, who did you look at in this and think, I'm not rooting for you?
0: Well, Alan Rickman, definitely. His character is... Bastard. Pure evil, Bastard. right? Pure evil. And uh, it's, it gets you every time. Emma Thompson, the scene of her in the bedroom, right? Like, absolutely. When she's just... When she realises what's going on here. I think had- that's
1: on um, that performance is incredible
0: it's amazing just standing in silence listening to Joni Mitchell for literally their cover on screen for about two three minutes just doing it which doesn't doesn't sound like a lot but over the course of like a screenplay over the course of a script it's, it's a lot of time to dedicate to one kind of low action <laughs> scene and You can only really do that when you've got, you know, an actor like Emma Thompson that you can hand that to and just say, like, let us feel this now. And she really does. It's brilliant, isn't it?
1: Think about that as a piece of work. Like, I know know actors and actresses hate watching themselves back, but think about that as just as a study of a piece of work. She opens the gift and in the space of, like, two seconds, she's going to go from absolute elation total heartbreak and the thought that her marriage might be over and then goes off upstairs, bursts into tears. And the whole time she doesn't say a word. She doesn't say she goes upstairs. She does not use a single bit of language to convey what she's going through. And she just does these subtle little movements. And you then as the audience know that she's in that moment, considering the fact that she's going to have to try and keep her marriage together for her children Even though her husband is probably either cheated on her, is falling out of love with her, doesn't want to be with her maybe, and is buying expensive jewellery for a younger woman that she was already worried and panicked about. And she does it in the space of, like you said, one or two minutes. It's, It's like half an hour of dialogue and she does it just through the way that she looks so broken on the screen. She said like she still gets people coming up to her like on the tube that want to talk to her about it and just like share their experiences with her. That's so powerful, isn't it? To do that from, to do that from just a minute of acting to make people feel that.
0: Can I piss on the party a bit though? I'm going to strike you. (laughs) I, (laughs) I just, I do, I do think, right. People are going to speak to actors about their characters Oh, more than not, you've got to be a gorm to do oh, that. Oh, total one like, of <laughs> like, When people, get, when people like, start, remember, remember uh, back in the days, thing with Trevor, Trevor and Little Moore. Yeah, and he was saying like he was saying <laughs> you'd always get fellas outside of pubs offering him out and stuff, and you're like,
1: <laughs> what no sort way. of honesty,
0: knuckle dragging moron do you have people. to be? To Fever offer an actor offering... out based on the actions of his character in EastEnders. <laughs> that is like...
1: absolutely bizarre. And do you know what? i I'd, I'd throw this into the mix. Uh, did, you, um, did you watch Chernobyl?
0: I did, yeah. Yeah, I saw all of him, mate. Did I you saw see him pop him? up
1: there? I was like, oh, crikey, it's Trevor from EastEnders. That's also his willy. <laughs> yeah, he's
0: absolutely he's absolute beefcake now, though, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's
1: quite a large man, isn't he? And like yeah. he then he then rocked up in the Batman as well.
0: And in – what was the really serious Star Wars series that everyone liked?
1: Oh, um... Oh, come on. Come on, brain. It was – don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. I want to get this. It was not the Mandalorian, was it? No. It was all about
0: the rise of fascism and all that type of stuff. Yeah,
1: and it was the guy who was in Rogue One.
0: Diego right. luna yeah
1: yeah what did it was oh god just put me up my misery
0: i can't no i literally can't remember what it was called
1: <laughs> it was it was um it was uh, uh Andor, for f-
0: Andor. There, you oh,
1: people have been screaming that at the pod weren't there but if billy T's listening he would have been screaming you idiots it was Andor because i knew uh, he's a he's a he's a fan isn't he Start like he's a, he, he's partial to a bit of Star Wars. He, he's a
0: nerd, yeah. <laughs> um, Narcos Mexico, uh, yeah. Diego Luna. By the way, superb, yeah. superb viewing. Um, so Alan,
1: Alan Rickman, you 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 were not you were not rooting for him, but is there anyone else that you're like? Do you know what? Col- no. Colin
0: I found very irritating.
1: Yeah, and he's got a big no That bit's quite that, funny, to be fair. Yeah, that but, did make uh, me laugh. But on the whole, laugh, I think that was probably funnier back in the day. I think that was probably funnier back in the day when people genuinely believed you rocked over to America and people went, oh my God, is that a British accent? And then it it was probably
0: more the kind of time as well when like Britain and America weren't. Because this is mad to say, it's only 20 years ago, but even then they weren't quite as closely connected as they are now. You know, social media and the like is really. This oh. and this is kind of what I, I say whenever I do the football pod now. I'm like, I just find it all a bit boring now when people are like, Americans have said this and whatever. It's like they watch as much football as we do now. Oh, yeah. They go out to pubs and bars all the time and watch it. Like, I don't think there's as much of a cultural disconnect as there was twenty odd years ago, you know. Now no, nowadays not. I think an American mm-hmm. would be like Oh, a British accent! Oh well, great. We oh, all, my God, mate. all the Hollywood actors are British, you know, like
1: totally. Like, and and I think that even in the in the big cities, maybe in certain parts of America where there's because there's still parts of America where people don't travel, isn't there? There's parts of America that people just don't have passports because mm. they're they're sort of quite far removed. But in the cities, in the in the big cities, I just don't think it's it's that rare to hear so people from Europe, sort of, and people from. I mean, you go to Greece in the summer; it is just packed out with Americans like it's it, international travel is, really? is yeah oh mate absolutely heaving um okay so Colin Colin's a loser Alan Rickman's what is his what is his character's name it was is it Karen is the the wife isn't it? Karen and Harry um Harry yeah his name's Harry that's so it? random like, isn't I don't... it it doesn't feel like a Harry 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 yeah. Um I I'm I think that's probably the the other one I'm gonna go on the other one, if i if I may. Andrew Lincoln turning up and filming his best oh, mates. Mate, I've been waiting for
0: this. I've been waiting what for this. What the fuck bit. are you doing? That is so and, weird. And, and, can I can I can I just say now, can I debunk his he says it on the cards without hope or agenda. There's bollocks, a, it's all bollocks, hope. It's all
1: bollocks. agenda,
0: bollocks. you know. Yeah. You are hoping that she will run away with you. Like
1: you're literally trying to steal your best mate's missus.
0: Scum. Scum. Left her in
1: the house on her own to go to a early lunch and just left her in your home with a video of her. But then here's the thing: what is she doing?
0: Mm, Why running out giving him a kiss?
1: What is that? That is mental. Bit dodgy. That is so dodgy she just
0: likes the attention. Is that what we're saying? You know.
1: Yeah, but also like, what there is some sort of the thing. This is one of the hangups. This is we'll bring this up in the final one on war crime thing. This is so clearly through a, a male lens. It's so yeah. clearly through yeah. a, a dude's lens that it's like, oh, I'll tell her this, and it'll be winning and charming, and she'll come and give me a a, a peck on the lips. There's not too much, but it's enough to know that like I need to just. Get on with life and, and crack on and she appreciates my efforts. It's like, no, mate, you've turned up with a bunch of letters so you can tell your best mate's missus that you're hopelessly in love with her. They After need to do you, a
0: recut of that when he just walks down halfway through being like, babe, what's going on, uh, mate? What what's the this?
1: hell are you doing? And then he that just basically chokes him out. Like, it's it's just so ludicrous. Can you imagine if someone did that to your missus? Can you imagine that? Someone rocked up at your house with a CD player and confessed their undying love for your missus.
0: I mean, what? it's just it's very bizarre, isn't
1: it? It's uh, batshit. I'm not... Honestly, that is the other one that that completely lost me. Um, I, I, In terms of people, I was rooting for Emma Thompson as, as Karen. I, like I said... Ph- phenomenal performance. Mm. Um, I thought Liam Neeson, Liam Neeson and um, uh, Thomas Brodie-Sangster. I, I feel like they had a great little rapport going. Like yeah. you could see that was a really, really nice thing they had going on. Um, and then I also, I just love. I, I loved the ending of, of of Bill Nye and Gregor Fisher's thing. I don't know. It, was, it still makes me chuckle. Thank you, Antor Deck. <laughs>
0: it was, it was oddly touching isn't it though, that part yeah
1: it is it is and that's kind of like another that, that i've had a couple of those moments recently where i think i've just on a personal level i've got a little bit um i've been grumpy about something and then and then i've had a text or something from someone who i think is going through stuff that's so much worse than what i'm going through and you think they had to sort of sort of the, the mindset of like i should just reach out and check that that person's okay and they're going through absolutely horrible things it just makes you think doesn't it you can just that that scene at the end in particular when he sort of goes over and he goes the person that i love is you and then he's gonna sit with his mate and and have christmas together you're like yeah that's what it's about you know that again to come back to that sort of that um main point at the top is this 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 whole thing of this is why the film grabs people because it's a lot of it is about that crystallizing moment and that realization of what is really important and and most of the characters by the end of the film <laughs> they've had their moment where they almost have the the light bulb goes off and they go oh that's that's what's really what what life is all about here, um, and it, it, it is soppy and it is a bit cheesy, but I love it for it.
0: Wouldn't you also be thinking though if you are his manager? Can you just swung me an invite to Elton's party as well?
1: It <laughs> just left me. here. Cheers, you know, appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, thanks so much. But I think, do you know what? I, that's that. That was that. There was also a kind of bit of tragedy in that. Like there was something in that that was re- a bit ugly. Um, in that is this washed-up guy, and then suddenly the phone rings. Once it's all going well again, you know, and it, there is a little bit of me that's like, hmm, that's a bit grubby. That it that, that there's so much of, so much of that. Like when the going's good, people want to be about, and then when when things are not going your way, it's suddenly then like, okay, let's find out who your real friends are, kind of thing. I um, well, like when
0: he says, although at the end when he says. Is get drunk and watch porn. I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> what? Could,
1: could we not? Yeah, <laughs> I was kind of thinking we might play Uno.
0: Yeah, can we watch, you know, just stick Elf on? Do you know Can I, mean?
1: I like, Can I be, can I invade your privacy here? What do you do at Christmas that, um, what's your weird thing that you do you better ask that... me. No. <laughs> what do you like in what? the... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bloody hell. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what sort You'll of thing see you probably face into? drop in the video <laughs> version there, so what's he bloody what, going to ask what me What sort no? of thing are you into? And if you could send it with a, send a picture next to 50p for scale. That I, yeah. um, <laughs> the, what, um, what what is the weird thing that you're family does at christmas and it's not get pissed and watch porn but i mean like you know how people have like weird traditions and you it's only when you go to someone else's family events that you go this is really weird but they don't think it's weird do you know what i mean
0: mm. dear i guess probably the weirdest thing is i think we all we all dress nicely for well, okay. One thing that Charlotte thinks that my family does that's very I weird. I love it. <laughs> right? yes. She finds this so weird. And to me, it's, it's normal. And I find the way her family does it weird. We have, we do like our stockings in the morning on Christmas day. Right. And then we wait to have Christmas lunch, which will be what? Two o'clock or so in the afternoon. And it's after that point, we do all of our presents. Like.
1: Oh, right. Okay. So you do it. You break it. So you break it up.
0: Yes, yeah, so you do. Like I say, little stocking in the morning, where it'll be like the mini presents for one another. But the main proper big creme de la creme presents That's we coming do at about after five
1: lunch. six after you've heard from the queen, yeah.
0: and she like thinks we're like serial killers for doing that.
1: <laughs> you know, she finds it so bizarre
0: because, like, because you you've got to bear in mind is like this is coming from the it's from the other side as well as like Charlotte's mum's Dutch. <laughs> And like the Europeans, they often do all their presents and stuff on the 24th. So it's not unheard uh, of yeah, 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 on
1: yeah, yeah. Charlotte's
0: yeah. side that they might even do their presents on Christmas Eve. Like yeah. that has happened before. I think they tend to sort of not anymore because um, I simply won't be having that. Um,
1: <laughs> Brexit means Brexit. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah.
0: So, uh, and I, th- I think the other thing is like we all uh, we all get dressed up for like, you know, Christmas lunch and everything, but then as soon as Christmas lunch is done, basically <laughs> In- everyone puts their trackie bottoms on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but there's not enough give, is there on the yeah, nice nah, trousers? Nah, nah, it's, nah. And it, uh, it's like you said before. It's like, can you get into trackies because you're making me uncomfortable having to look at it? Uh, like,
0: just well, and, and this is it. Like my so my my brother-in-law, um, Dan, my sister's husband. He uh, he <laughs> for years has he's found us. So weird for that. Like for, <laughs> for for the tracksuit bottoms at home thing. And he's always he'll he'll just sit there with his trousers on or his jeans on and just be like, no, no. But We're the committing. past yeah, great. now, the past year or so like phoebe has, has broken him down he, he'll wear oh, tracksuit bottoms now at home so he's he's one of us one of us cretins
1: oh, i love that that is you know when it, like gradually for osmosis you're you're yeah. sort of like little traditions seep in and can't yeah. be changed yeah I'll, yeah I'll give you a great one like oh she shall remain nameless but you'll know who i'm talking about <laughs> where where i spent christmas last year um she, uh, like the, 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 I was waiting to sort of do presents and I'm sort of, I've got quite a weird tradition in that we do presents kind of like all sat together in in our PJs with, with my family. Everyone is like in their PJs and they're all like, it's the first thing everyone does kind of gets up and it's still very, it, to be honest, it's still quite like clinging onto that childlike bit. Yeah actually I'm just gonna say Christina's family don't they don't do the whole like we'll wait like everyone gets up and gets changed into kind of like their stuff for the day but then it gets frantic in terms of the present opening and it like she, I honestly like. She she was like, you don't think differently of me, do? You? And I was like, I do a bit. <laughs> like, see, 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 in the way she like assaulted her presence. It was genuinely like it was like a fox in a chicken coop. All that was just left it was just like a sea, a like a massive wrapping paper, and just like she just devoured everything. And like the sp- like her hands were moving at such speed. It was genuinely a bit like. Christ, like this is, this is this is out of control out here. And now, there I am as the guest just kind of sat there like gently untying the string on my first present and oh, she's gone yeah. through
0: the whole thing. You're you one of those you're like my mum. My mum does that and we always tell you, we all make fun of her like she will carefully she won't rip the paper ever. She'll carefully like Unfurl get like a fingernail it. under the cellar tape. <laughs> just like slowly peel it away, open up the present, like very methodically. So, once basically everyone's opened up all their presents, my mum will still be sat there with a pile of about 10 and you just yeah. kind of jealously. And watching you want to get involved. Like,
1: you're like, just do yeah. it properly. Yeah, exactly. It's what are you like, doing?
0: Come on, mum. She'll be like, just leave me and-. alone. Leave me <laughs> yeah. alone. I'll and open then, them in my own time. And she would have
1: started late because she would have gone out and got everyone like drinks and stuff already yeah. and everyone else was already getting yeah. stuck in. She's like, oh, look at this lovely. And we're all present. moaning. Yeah, your presents <laughs> real quickly.
0: Doesn't matter you oh, been cooking it. lunch all day.
1: Yeah, see, this is the, the reason. <laughs> the reason I asked this. This is like that was. there's one bit of the film that kind of did this for me. I love the fact they're going to the nativity thing. You know, they're yeah. going to the nativity. It's not it, that for me. Just alludes to the fact that we do do these weird kind of like ritualistic. you 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 don't know why you're doing it. You just do it because it's Christmas. You know, mm-hmm. and like, I think she even said that like, someone even says it at Christmas, you, you sort of you tell the truth or at Christmas, you do whatever and you turn up and there's the, the the Christmas lobster there and all of that hullabaloo. It just is. Uh, I, I love all that kind of stuff. It re- I really find it uh, both hilarious, but also <laughs> fascinating to watch how you and your family do things that just seem totally normal to you. But to everyone else, that's just like, "What is wrong with these people? Yeah. <laughs> like, what, what are you is, what are doing? You doing? Yeah. What a mess!" Um, okay, I, do you know what? I've waffled on for long enough. Do you want to? Um, do you want to tell me who gets your MVP?
0: <clears throat> Ooh, who is the MVP of Love? Actually, <sighs> it's probably Bill Nye, isn't it? I think.
1: So I'm I'm torn. Bill Nye Bill Nye is a really good one. He said because he sort of this film kind of like changed his life. He said he said before that he was super successful as a stage actor. This kind of changed his his life, and he became people would sort of would come and approach him on the street. People would be beeping in their cars as they went past him. Like it actually gave him this platform. Um, and he That's is isn't it because you just think of Bill Nye as always around. But yeah. Apparently, this was the thing that kind of turned him into a top tier kind of like, oh, Bill Nye will lead this film or be a huge part of this film. Um, And then he's obviously gone on to have lots of success with lots of other films as well. But um, I just assume Bill Nye always played played the dad in everything, you know, (laughs) and that he was always a a very, very safe pair of hands. But he's phenomenal. Um, Emma Thompson, I think, is just amazing. Oh, my God. You just reminded me, you know, you were saying it's a bit weird when people go up to people on the street and like go and sort of like talk to them about their characters and stuff. Mm. I walked past Emma Thompson about, I don't know, maybe six months ago, and I paid her the biggest possible compliment that I could in that I just walked past and like sort of smiled at her and then just carried on walking. And like you know when you sort of lock eyes w- with someone like and then they you sort of are aware that they've looked at you and you're aware that you're sort of they vice versa basically you just know that each other you you've caught each other's eyes and it could be yeah. super awkward, and I just sort of like I was like, oh my Christ, it's Emma Thompson, and I think she is the most wonderful woman in the world." After my mum and my missus and my sister um she <laughs> <laughs> got those caveats in there um uh and and beyonce um and she like and she just sort of caught my eye and smiled and I caught her eye and smiled, and then I just carried on walking and I was like that is about as big a compliment as you sort of because I'm just like I, she's she's the gods, and I'm the mortals, and the mortals do not mess with the gods. You know, like I—if what am I going to say to her that's going to in any way impact her day? Like, other than even you going up to me, I just think you're wonderful. It's just another human being. She'd just be like, "Well, just can you just leave me alone?" Um, so it's so true what you say, and that is like, I think, I th- yeah, I don't really know if there is a perfect way to kind of have an interaction with someone on the street who you recognize, but I think that's probably as closer to it as I would I would. Imagine can we, do.
0: can we give an assist to Rowan Atkinson for an absolutely spectacular oh cameo God. as well?
1: God, like how to do imagine that. And like apparently he tried to wind up Alan Rickman. <laughs> like he was trying to actively make him angry. So he said that they shot that scene for like 25 minutes of him just doing, I'll tell you what, I'll get the Jasmine out like this. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll I'll sniff the cinnamon stick before I put it in. And I, like and apparently he was driving Alan Rickman mad, <laughs> which I thought was brilliant as well. Just amazing. Like doing two scenes and then stealing it like that. Unbelievable. What?
0: you go to dip it in yogurt?
1: It's
0: <laughs> <laughs> is so yeah. good.
1: No, no bloody Holly! Yeah. <laughs> phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. I'm trying to think whether there's anyone. Else. I think Liam Neeson, very good. I, I think Hugh Grant is just amazing. But I love Hugh Grant. Um, but I think you're right. I think it's Bill Nye. I think Emma Thompson's top possibly, and then a, a a lovely bit of assist action from uh, from Rowan Atkinson. Um, okay. So take me into why this is a fine wine and why this is a war crime. Oof.
0: Well. I'd say it's a fine line because I'll fine wine ultimately because, as we said at the top, it's preaching a overall generally good message of like peace, love, unity at Christmas time, reconcile your differences, acknowledge those who are close to you, and let them know why they're important to you and why they're so special to you. You know, it's um, trying to put a little bit of goodness out there, isn't it? And I think that's kind of the the fine wine aspect of it.
1: Yeah, and I'll just add into that that I think that essentially the film is coming from the right place. There is Mm. problems with it, but the starting point, the literal opening gambit of the film is that you can choose to look at all the bad stuff in the world or you can choose to see that love is everywhere. And that's the kind of like that is the intention of the film. So even though it makes missteps (coughs) on the whole, the message is the right thing. And I do think there's a reason why people keep coming back to it. The fine wine part of it is that people every single year at Christmas want to watch this film because it makes them feel good. And that in itself is reason for it to be a fine wine because it's doing the thing that it's set out to do and with a delay as well. I mean, what was incredible is that it didn't at the time it kind of, it didn't trouble the box office that much. It took decent money, but it's made the bulk of its money in the years after. Um, and, and its international audience was, was much, much like it was way bigger than its domestic audience. And it kind of was like a nice film at the time, not a classic. And then it's sort of grown to become one. So I think there's something in that as well. And the idea that, films don't necessarily have to they don't have to instantly s- slap you know they don't have to instantly I, we we have such presenteeism with with the way that things are and everything on social media needs to be like either it's either either you're a, you're the goat or the fraud and this this film is proof that you don't necessarily have to be appreciated within 10 seconds mm. in order for something to be a great piece of work or a great piece of content or a great piece of art so I think <clears throat> from that point of view, some some good fine wines. Okay, let's do the should we do the baddies.
0: Well, as you've sort of mentioned several times throughout this, the lack of diversity and this is something that has played Richard Curtis for his whole career, really for his filmography. Um, it's a kind of it's a whitewashed, as you say, vision of London. Um, shows a very particular cross section of London, which is mainly upper middle class um, white people in and around, you know, you'd imagine Southwest London, that type of area. feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah. So it gives you a, a very kind of skewed idea. You know, we're talking about the, I guess I was talking about like the, the different type of dynamics and relationships, you know, we don't have any sort of like gay relationship at any point in the film either. Um, there's quite a lot of gay jokes really, if anything, Um so it's, yeah, I, I think it, it, this film, I mean, it, 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 it doesn't get made this way in 2023. Let's put it that way. No way, way. Um, no. And, and no, I'll be honest, I, I don't think that, I don't want to say, I don't want to, anyone to be in any doubt. I'm not saying this in terms of like, that's because the snowflakes are fun. I don't think it should be made this way in 2023. It probably shouldn't no, be made no. this way in 2003,
1: to be I honest think, with you. The, the, the only thing I'd say on that is, I mean, like, Time is moving and, and culture is moving so fast that it's it, it feels stark now when you watch it. You know, it feels yeah. the the thing that I go back to is like do you remember you and you recommended to me actually to watch Rye Lane and if you watch Rye Lane and then watch Love Actually, you would think that they are different countries, they're made in the same city, you know? It's yeah. it's it it's, it's not a <clears throat> it's not an accurate depiction of central London. You know, it's it's a depiction of a very very. It feels like a very wealthy. In the same way, now I would say actually a good comparison would be in that in the same way in the nineties you watched Friends and it was accessible and then now you watch friends and you're like wow these people yeah. lived in these incredible apartments in the heart of manhattan and had unbelievable jobs and were able to live this kind of like frivolous lifestyle it's just not realistic you know if you made friends now it would look like a like a a beaten up version of skins you know the original mm-hmm. version of skins i mean that's what the, the the reality for a lot of people i suppose the other thing is like you said because it's because it's whitewashed and it's very much a kind of it's through a certain lens. I mean, it, it, essentially, it's. it's I, I think a lot of it is just it's autobiographical, right? It's Richard Curtis's life. It's him falling in love as a kid. It's him. The, I mean, his sister is it, uh, suffers with. Oh, this is one that we've absolutely missed in the fine wine. The depiction of Laura Linney's relationship with her brother. I mean, mm. that is a really, really wonderful performance as well. It's quite heartbreaking that scene where she's with her, her brother and she sort of he goes to hit her. Um, but Richard Curtis's sister suffered um, with quite a severe kind of mental illness and really had a had a tough time. I don't know. I don't know. I know that was the case sort of at the time of him making the film. So I haven't done the research to know what's happened since. But I think a lot of this is autobiographical, hence the lens that it's with. But the problem with that is that it feels like at times it rewards really shitty Male behaviors. So, for example, Alan Rickman's character being quite dodgy with a junior member of staff, and the power dynamic that comes with with that is is ropey. The Prime Minister and the power dynamic with a kind of I don't know what her 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 job is, but she looks like a kind of executive assistant type, which again, not the best. Um, <clears throat> the stuff of. Um, What's he? I always forget his name, Andrew Lincoln. He plays Mark, turning up and, like we said, turning up with his postcard saying, I've got no hope or agenda, only I have got a hope and agenda. Um, It was a bit... It's the fact he's kind of
0: almost stalking her in a way. It's a bit weird, oh, isn't it?
1: Uh, filming someone like that is super weird um yeah so uh, th- th- again it is through this lens uh, even even bill nye's character like it's a brilliant character but it's all it's all done through a very blokey lens um and I, that's one of the things that i did find interesting with this because i imagine there are a lot of a lot of people like m- m- that are sort of watching this film and just feeling warm and fuzzy from it and that's totally fine. And there's also probably a lot of people that are watching it going, that's a bit unrealistic. It's not well, quite it.
0: Yeah. I mean one one of the other things I think it really needs to be pointed out in the war crime bit is there's a lot of body shaming in it as well. Like in terms of like the naughty stuff. Like Martin McCatch the the whole running joke that she's fat is preposterous and it's so i've spoken about this before what a nasty time the noughties was oh uh, yeah and it's so indicative of that I d- even really with bill <coughs> Nye, he can't stop calling his manager fat or chubby and all this yeah. stuff all throughout it in such a pejorative sense like it's not yeah. really even funny the way he's doing it you know it's not like I, I i know some people would debate this but i think you know you can probably maybe make a joke about somebody's weight that at least has some sort of intellect behind it Maybe not in 2023, but in 2003, these just felt a bit cheap. It felt a bit forced, at, even towards the end.
1: At, it's at the, uh, it's like at the, the expense of the person. You know, they're not in yeah. on the joke. They're being hit by the joke. You know, which is, which feels a bit, like you said, particularly for Martine McCutcheon, because I think she did actually, there, there was chatter. I remember at the time she was on Eastenders there was kind of a pressure there on her I think anyway. And I'm I don't know but <clears throat> Richard Curtis has since kind of addressed these things. He said that the the fact that there's such a, a, he's, he sort of feels quite embarrassed about the lack of diversity in the film and um and the power dynamics within the film and the the lens that is told to as well. Um but I, the thing that I find really hard with this is because it's such a part of Christmas and a part of like, oh, it's that lovely film. You know, I'm trying to work out where, like, whether at the time it was, whether people would have been like, this is dreadful, like, this is not okay. I'm sure some people were like that. But it, how it's kind of like drifted over time into becoming... Mm-hmm something that is that actually we're now like oh that's a bit uncomfortable and at what point in my life i i would have watched it and started to notice those things you know because in 2003 would have been 14 i, I probably wouldn't have been as acutely aware of the stuff no. that i am now you know so i, I, I wonder now it, to me now as a grown-up i'm watching this and i can see those things but I, I wouldn't have seen them at the time do you know what i mean
0: mm. yeah i do know what you mean mate yeah it's it's uh but that's you know that's part of the you know the fact that you were uh, you existed within that culture that those things were sort of normalized you know um, yeah
1: the idea of calling someone fat and it just being a like, wee fat you know yeah. like and 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 someone like i mean i always have struggled with my weight always 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 to the point where if someone would make says those things to me it like it really does affect me you know i i i've I, I always struggled with that so now when i see it in films like you were saying i'm just like Oh, don't like that. Mm. You know, it, it sort of really jars with me in a in a very kind of like um, quite a visceral way. So, <clears throat> it, it, yeah, there's enough stuff in here that makes you go, eee, like just grimace just a little bit. You know,
0: yeah. But you know, all in all, like we say, a positive. Like I think, like your point was, the film it feels like it's coming from a good place at least. Um, and yeah, the whole point of this section of of the podcast, just to reiterate to anybody that's maybe coming to this for the first time, is that we're not here to say, don't watch this film because things were different 20 years ago. It's merely pointing out, look, we watch we are watching this 20 years later, and we can't ignore the fact that things have changed. Things are different. Um, so it would be remiss of us not to point these things out, but we're, <laughs> we're by no means saying, don't enjoy this, don't like it. We choose these films because we love them, you know? yeah, and I think that's the... It's trying to find that balance, isn't it, between acknowledging kind of your own privileges, your own biases and what have you and how those manifest on screen and how they manifested in culture at a certain point in time. Yeah,
1: absolutely. One other fine wine thing, just to wrap up this section. If you look at the cast list just on Google and you just sort of look at it from a a sort of top-down holistic thing, it's unbelievable. You know, they have all gone on to just be Enormous.
0: Oh, I've got to say, mate, not as much as you know. how I've told you, I've been revisiting Band of Brothers while well, I'm actually oh visiting it, watching God. it for the first God. time. I mean, it is a lister after a lister after a lister. It's unbelievable, it?
1: and it, and it is. It, it, I, I would, I'm, I might go back and do a rewatch of that. I might go back and do a rewatch. And I'm, just I'm on episode like, seven,
0: <clears throat> and I uh, yeah, it's getting quite quite emotional.
1: Oh, mate, amazing! the The final the final episode of that is when the Greatest pieces of of TV or whatever you call it, media ever phenomenal. Um, yeah. Right, should we uh, should we do the ratings?
0: Let's do the ratings. So, uh, Love Actually on IMDb, oh, actually quite good. A lot higher than I thought I was expecting for IMDb. Seven point six. I thought it would be lower than that. I thought yeah, it would be I, I, I thought it'd be in the sixes. Um, Love Actually on Rotten Tomatoes, critics score sixty four percent audience score 72 percent
1: that's interesting Mm -hmm. tells you something
0: and low actually on the uh metacritic metacritic score 55 percent but the user score so the audience score is 8.5 as i've said before it's they do this weird thing where the critic score is a percentage and uh audience score is a decimal which is it's mm. just irritating um but yeah, do you wanna, so the New York Daily News said, Structurally, love actually is less like four weddings than it is scary movie three. Curtis throws every gag he can think of at the screen and the ones that don't stick, he throws again and again. That's mm, a bit harsh, isn't it? Um, the New York Times, a patchwork of contrived naughtiness and forced pathos. <laughs> the loose ends are neatly tied up as they are when you seal a bag of garbage, or if you prefer, rubbish. Ooh, <laughs> Ooh how tetchy. New York Times, oh you're hard. Let's uh let's just see if there's any if there's any nicer critical reviews on here. Because it feels like those are all a bit American and the Americans, yeah, as much as I said at the start, you know, everything's right, the times. Sit back and gawp at ideal Britain, revel in the tipsy plot and enjoy a film of adult whimsy and adolescent whinging. <laughs> there you go.
1: Uh fine, that, that's more like it. That's why I like it, um mate, I think it's just time to bring the lights down. <coughs> what oh. technically, this will go out I think this next pod will go out on like the eight it will be like something like the eighteenth nineteenth of December, so this will be our last one, so tell me what you want to watch
0: so I think first before we before we do this. We, are, well, I mean, this is probably something, a conversation we can have off air, but just so everybody Go knows, on. we probably are going to do a few little, even though we are having these as our main episodes, we're probably going to do a few little conversations for YouTube on other Christmas films, because there's been so many, and it's been so hard to choose from them, that there are some that people will be like, no, they're not going to do that. Go over to our YouTube, and I'm sure we will have done a 20 minute conversation about one of the Christmas films that you are missing from this main pod, right?
1: Yeah, and let us know if there's there's one in particular you're after, then we'll we'll blast through them because I know I've got a, I've got a few up my sleeve that I'm absolute classics for me. I watched Miracle on 34th Street the other day, for example, just and seeing uh, seeing Matilda go out there and smash it, phenomenal stuff. So, what what do you fancy doing then for the for the main pod?
0: Well music comes down Um, look we all know Christmas is a time for love sharing and caring right it's also a time where kind of families come together and uh, you know big part of that is children children enjoying themselves at Christmas right Um, we all like a movie with a big stellar all star cast right so that's 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 always a good thing people outside of their comfort zone if I was to say to you that you know when James Caan, for example, had once upon a time been in The Godfather, you might be surprised to see him rock up alongside Will Ferrell in a film about an abandoned elf who (laughs) realises he's actually a human being and needs to get back to the human world and find his father. Um, Because it is another 20th anniversary movie, as Love Actually was, around the same time, well, exactly the same time, don't know what was in the water at that point, but yeah, let's let's do it. We'll go with 2003's Elf because, you know, it's a good film for all the family, and it is absolutely, one of, favorites. Yeah, classic, absolutely one of my favourites. It's a classic,
1: mate. Absolutely one of my favourites. Dreamy shout! I am very excited about that one. I, I'm,
0: I'm not gonna lie, mate. Up until this point, I've been like Home Alone or Elf. Home, home alone. alone or Elf. Home Alone
1: or Elf. Yeah, for me, it's Home Alone, Elf, The Santa Claus Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. I'm trying to think if there's any other jingle ones. all the way, jingle all the way. What a scream! You can bench talk? press your way out this one. Yeah. Have you got turbo you... man?
0: Yeah, hey, buddy, I'm a dick. Your halls, <laughs> like, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. What
1: a oh film. man, so good. Um, well, look, just to remain safe, make sure you get in touch with us at be Pod. Uh, on all of the socials we will try and take as many comments requests as possible um someone shouted us on on social media the other day and said do you take requests like absolutely send them in can't guarantee we'll get to them like in the near future but we'll try and try and get through as many as we can Um, and yeah thanks so much for listening as ever what a pleasure